Now, out of all the things that happened, I think it's most consistent with the, the person being beaten here, right? So if you have cast off here, and then you also have impact spatter, right? So where, where, where it hits the bloody head, and then you get spatter on the wall. So you have those two things together. Okay, now we're putting together two pieces, two different blood stain patterns. You see, John says it right, but people think he said it incorrectly, spatter. And that's what it's called in a crime scene, spatter, not splatter. That's right. So all you TV people that think you're crime scene experts and say splatter, you're wrong. So say spatter, and you can talk. I say, I anyone. have a joke where I talk about blood spatter and I make sure I always say spatter and I make sure I say it for all the people out there who still well who are in the know right you know who recognize the word for whatever reason if you're a met in, in, in um, you know the medicine uh, medical world or a forensics or a cop if you just know that word spatter it's like the I secret it handshake it's the secret handshake of the bloodstain pattern analyst because now that the viewers know that right they're going to watch some chief get on tv talking about a crime scene and be like yeah there was splatter over here and yeah, splatter yeah, yeah, over there they're yeah, going to yeah. be like yeah he doesn't yeah, know yeah, he doesn't yeah. know in, in the bpa yeah well you know what it does it kills that uh Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back, man. Up here in Austin, New York, the Palatial Estates. It's me, Mark DeMeo, with my partner in law enforcement, Bill Cannon. And we are here once again for Police Off the Cuff. Uh, before we start, I just want to get this shirt on camera. RT, Found RT Foundation is, um, is, a shirt, is, a, is a group that works with um, the veterans and the Gold Star families. And they're looking for volunteers. I did a show a couple of months ago. And like any good cop, um, when I'm doing these benefit shows, I always like to look to uh, scam a couple of T-shirts. <laughs> and uh, always looking I to get shit OT, yeah, 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 right? yeah. whatever, whatever I can get. I'll take one of those hats too. How about a sweatshirt? <laughs> and I'm the comedian. I'm your headliner. <laughs> so I have these shirts, and then like I'm thinking to myself, I threw it on today, and this one's actually really comfortable. It's uh, the fabric is awesome. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to start wearing these shirts. So at least we get to promote them and the, the good stuff you that these got causes do. Detective Pat, you just have to get the extended. Good. <laughs> he said that, Pat, not me. Um, and what we want, hopefully, we're going to get an address soon, so we can uh, we can start giving you an address. So if you want to send T-shirts to us and stuff like that, we'll have an address. Anything you want to sell for free? Uh, we definitely we, we have some good news coming free up. News. I don't know how much uh, Bill we were allowed to share about it, but. Um, <laughs> We, we got good things coming up with the show. Uh, because of you, our supporters, uh, we, we're, we're moving on up, and something might happen soon. So, um, you Bill. know, once we get, like, an address, I'd love to have, like, an Australian cop come on, just, like, to hear his accent, you know? Oh, we're gonna, we got to assault whatever stealing shrimp off the barbie. <laughs> whatever we wanted to do with, the, with this show is going to become possible very soon. Absolutely. And we can't divulge too much more. Hopefully, uh, by the time this one comes out, we'll actually be, uh, we'll be able to say more. But, um... Without further ado, I want to bring on my guest. Um, I worked with him uh, in the police department, not really on, on crime scenes, but he, used, he was one of our guest speakers when I used to uh, do the homicide course. I used to work in the training unit, and they have a detective's homicide course that uh, is a two-week course and we have investigators that come from all over the country and they, they hang out for two weeks and they listen to the best of the best on, on um, breaking down homicide crime scenes. And one of the best of the best, uh, the, uh, the speaker that we used to get and look forward to having was uh, John Pellucci, Sergeant John Pellucci. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah. 
He's also, got, he's also got his own company, Forensics for All, that he goes and uh, reinvestigates cases in other parts of the for country. Real. For real. For real. For yeah. real. One, yeah. the four, oh, for okay, real. so we jump yeah. to already what we're doing now. I guess that's the show then. Phil, <laughs> 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 we want to start off right. from the beginning. Well, I, Can that, we start from the easy. beginning? Yeah. How old are you now? <laughs> what day were you born? No, um, I remember you from the Homicide Course. Um, you're a very interesting guy. You're, you're quiet, but you, man, are you into martial arts too? I did boxing, you know, I was, I was uh-huh. into boxing, yeah. What else is your other thing, though? I think you do boxing. All, kind, all kinds of stuff. Every yeah, time I, I see your Facebook, your social media. Uh, yeah, I got what a horse. What do you mean cycling? Uh, the, uh, road cycling. You know, I did a, did a trip down to uh, Washington, D.C. Are we talking about on a bike nine, or a, a motorcycle? Well, about that too, but uh, this riding, t- riding the bicycle to Washington, D.C. was a lot harder well, than riding yeah, the motorcycle to Washington. What would you do that for? I never get that. I, I never understood. I would always get into it like uh, something would catch my interest uh-huh. and I get really into it, you know? Yeah, so but like, while you're on the bike going, don't you think to yourself, man, we should have taken a car? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> I'll tell you, I was, I was in good shape. I, was I know. You, you've I always was, been in good shape. Yeah, you've always you uh, held it together. as a cop. No, right? I was never oh, a bike okay. cop. Yeah. yeah. We had those in housing, though. I remember yeah. when it first came out. That was, uh, they had them in the 2-4 in the 90s. That was when it first came the out. The only they thing harder than hiding that bike was hiding a horse. If you you weren't mounted, man. Hiding that freaking horse. Yeah. Forget about like, it. once you took that bike out, what were you going to do with it? You had to chain it to a pole somewhere and hope that it was there when you come back. They learn that quick. You know, if, uh, if there's four of you and all four of you jump off and chase somebody, there's going to be maybe two, one or two if bicycles lucky, left yeah, when you yeah. get back. If that, so then one guy would that. have to stay and safeguard the bicycles, you know. <laughs> and also look out for the fishing wire that they'd string up around the projects just looking for the Yeah, that was some top, scam, you know? that bike yeah. unit, man. Do they still have that? Yeah, I think yeah. they do. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, where are you from? So I was born. I was born in Manhattan, actually, in a hospital that doesn't exist anymore. Which one? Flower Fifth Avenue. I think that was the one I was born. Is that in, right? Too. <laughs> That's pretty wild. You guys don't exist. So, <laughs> I swear to God, I think that's where I was born yeah. too. Where year were you born? Uh, sixty-four. Okay. Yeah, actually, my birthday is Sunday, so. Uh, so you 55. got me by three years. I was born sixty-seven. Yeah. So you might have been the last guy ever born there. Was it closed that soon? No, I don't think so. I think it lasted a little yeah, while. Yeah, I think it lasted. That's a nice right. name for a hospital, right? Yeah, Flower Fifth Avenue. They don't have those anymore. Yeah, oh, you, you know, flower it's boys. It's hard to be a tough guy and say <laughs> you were born at Flower Fifth Avenue. <laughs> Where did you live growing up? I, I grew up in uh, Mount Vernon, New York. Really? Is, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, lower Westchester. God so, bless you. You've made it out of there, huh? Yeah, made it out of there. Yep. And then uh, my family moved up to Larchmont. Uh, oh, they made they, the big bucks then, they, huh? Well, Someone got a, did well. They moved up to Lodge got, got a good house that a bank was getting rid of for a cheap price. <laughs> and I remember 10 years old, knowing how to scrape wallpaper and do wow. stuff like that. Yeah, my dad was genius, uh, you know. What did your dad do? He was a consultant. Uh, so I'm kind of following in his footsteps now. But he, he was a consultant. So print, he knew how to manage and, money. Yeah, he was a, a Harvard. Uh, it's amazing MBA. to be around people yeah. like that. Yeah. I would love was to he talk happy to your that dad. He became a cop. Him being a Harvard alumnus. I was kind of straying from the uh, yeah the, the PhD like route. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a PhD That's so easy. Yeah, yeah. So many yeah. of my family have PhDs. I don't want to do that. I want to be the rebel. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one time I was. Uh, down at the DA's office. And nope, nobody has a PhD in my family, DA by the way. says to me, Sergeant, we, I want to humanize you in front of the jury. Where is this? This is at the DA's office. I was going to go on the stand. And she goes, I'd like to humanize you in front of the, um, the well, jury. She well, goes, could you tell me what your educational background is? Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, I have an AA, a BA, an MS, and a, and a BMF. And she says, I know what an AA is, 
a BA and an MS. She goes, what's a BMF? <laughs> I go, I'm a bad motherfucker. <laughs> and she was so sorry she ever asked that question. She turned like all shades of red. <laughs> that was a good one, man. <laughs> That's a good I was one. saving so, that joke for a while, you know. How yeah. many meetings do you have to go to before you can say I have an AA? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yeah. I've been to AA. That was my Nassau community AA. <laughs> Somehow I accumulated uh, probably around 30 credits in um, in Queensboro. <laughs> Did you have yeah. enough to go on the police academy? Didn't you need? We didn't need it then. We didn't need it. Yeah. All you needed was a GED. GED. Do you need a yeah. BA now to go on the police department? Uh, not th- associates maybe right? associates. two years or uh, what a waste, or military. What a waste of time. Military, I could I would prefer, but mm-hmm. so um, so you grew up in Launchmont, huh? Where'd yeah. you go to high school? Uh, I went to Mamaroneck High School. Did you play her sports and stuff? Mamaroneck, that's a good high school. It was, very good high school. You didn't play sports? What were you into I, I as a kid? I was never a sports guy, you know? I was, I was into music and, uh-huh. uh, you know, hanging out. Do you out. play music? I was a... Yeah, I play harmonica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, that's another thing. Yeah. See, I remember there's a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah? Andrew's a harmonica player. They must have a jam session for Did you see the um, Satan and uh, Adam documentary oh, on um i know who they netflix. are but uh no I you know who they that. are yeah they have a documentary yeah. right now on, on netflix no it's kidding. awesome you, to you gotta it check it out yeah yeah, yeah so bill, bill uh, satan was a guy uh, who was used to be a f- in big bands um so what was it blues music and he used to play in harlem and there was this guy adam who just broke up with his girlfriend and just going on a trip you know uptown just to get her out of his head and he runs into this guy satan and adam plays the harmonica plays harmonica yeah good so he asked him if he can play in with him and then yeah. the two of them start playing together and he put, uh, just the motivation the two of them working together they pulled themselves off that corner even though they used to go revisit it all the time and then they went on tour they had albums yeah yeah they did very it's well. an amazing story then the guy got sick and fell off and then he came back again you got to see the documentary it's amazing i love to see that Hmm. Yeah, I had a good run with the music. Dog so what do you do with the harmonica? Where do you play? Uh, I haven't been playing that much like recently since I retired. I haven't done, uh, you, you would think you retire, you're going to do a Good lot more time, music. Yeah. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, I was in a couple bands. I was in a blues band. It was mostly cops in that band. We were called the Shade Tree Mechanics. Oh, uh-huh. John, John Lawson. John Lawson, yeah. Another Elmo. sergeant, bass player, great bass yeah, player. Yeah. 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 yeah, fantastic. He worked in the two four years ago. Yep. He's a really good musician. How about Lieutenant yeah. um, Stephen Harris? You ever play with him? He's a that good name guitarist. sounds familiar. I heard he's a really yeah. good guitarist artist too yeah hmm. i have to go out and see him play yeah you know he's been to a couple Sounds of my really comedy familiar. shows already anyway so um so where where are you playing this monica you don't play that much anymore not, not so much but anymore. you're tired like now a, you gotta I know i know i've been i moved up to dutchess county you know i live on a horse farm i just kind of well, you, you can't there. play the harmonica out there if anything you can go outside and just go off <laughs> yeah do that yeah, i might start a stampede or something you know? i don't know the bridges the yeah. bridges in westchester harmonica is cool man harmonica is cool yeah i started when maybe a little too much it would probably get annoying you know like every day if i had to hear it i'd be like yo enough with the fucking harmonica it's more versatile than you think though oh no no you can you can get harmonica when you watch that um play satan and adam yeah fantastic and you watch what that guy can do with the harmonica and what a difference it made the guy was the satan guy was great on his own yeah like a one-man band and then this guy comes the satan guy play Everything, guitar. everything. He was just watch the thing. He he was a great singer. He was a great guitarist. And then he used to do some stuff with his feet too, like a drum thing. Wow, it's just amazing, yeah. amazing. And anyway, so um, besides for the harmonica, how long ago uh, did you retire? Uh, it's been about eight years now, almost. All right, I got seven. Yeah, you got out in two thousand ten. 
No, 2011. Well, that's when I got out. Yeah, well, yeah. Seven and, I and a half years. That was, I, I, I took some terminal, so... Uh, Why did you get I, out, though? You had so much going on in the job. You knew so much. Yes. Before, like... Let's just, Bill, tell us where uh, John worked. You be quiet, John. No, well, I'm just kidding. No. Well, he's in the <laughs> no. crime scene unit. But you know something? People don't realize they see on TV crime scene and they're wearing all these designer clothes. It's a nasty, nasty job. It really is, yeah. right? Yeah, you remember Al King was the lieutenant up yeah, there, uh, yeah. right? And he was and a he was, well-liked guy, though. Yeah, but he much. was a stickler for a tie or whatever, right? Yeah. And he always said, he goes, the crime scene guys, they're the only ones in the bureau that, you know, listen, you got your, the blood, you're leaning over, you get your tie in that. He, he gave us a well, break. Well, you had to wear those Tyvek suits, right? Yeah, that that sort of became more mandatory later in the in Yeah, the because Kulansky it's got all days. the diseases. You got AIDS, you got hepatitis yeah. A through Z, you know. It's Not like, only that, but what you leave behind, too, from yourself. Right, right. right so. Low-cost theory of exchange. How did, you get, exactly, how did you yeah. get into yeah. the crime scene yeah. unit? It's an interesting story. You know, I was going out. Uh, I was hoping you would say that. My, my, my girlfriend was uh, worked in the chief of D's office, right? I was doing my... Uh, was that the bodybuilding girl? Yeah, it was, yeah. I remember so, her. Yep, yep. No, See, that's yeah. another thing why I thought you were so cool. Because he's so... Share, wait a minute. You can he's so quiet. Audience, listen, the bodybuilding girl. You can well, listen. It? You go up to the detective bureau with the 14th floor, and then it's a regular office. And in that regular office, you got this really beautiful girl that's a bodybuilder. Like, and she's got a tight shirt. You know, like, you could tell she's... A, she's in phenomenal shape. Was she doing one of your pull-ups as you got there or what? No, it's, listen, it's one of those things where she uh, she competes, obviously, or she used to, right? No, no, it's just for herself, you know. But it's yeah. it's not one of those things you can hide. She's big enough where you see it, but she's not over big. It's just perfect. And uh, when you see a girl like that, you know what I'm saying? The first thing, if you're a guy, you're like, wow, you know? And then somehow it, I found out that that was your girlfriend. Yeah. And then I said to myself, see... I, you're quiet guys, man. <laughs> He's got so much going on, this guy. Who would have dunk it? You know what I'm saying? Me, I'm a loudmouth. You know what I'm saying? But you, under the under the radar, man. Quiet. I loved it, man. I love it. So how did she get you into the crime scene unit? So, uh, so I was doing my integrity time. I did two years, four months, and 20 days. And when I you got be, promoted? You know, uh, no, after uh, I'd been a sergeant for a while. I tried to get back into uh, actually OCCB yeah. I wanted to go to. And then... Uh, I got picked up. Uh, so I'm at the Chief of D's Christmas party, right? Chief's having a few beers. Al King's having a few beers. I'm talking with him. And What's this, Brown? He's like, uh, yeah, it's Chief Brown, you know? So I said, uh, I, I says, Lewis, you know, I'm about done with my IAB time. I'm, you know, looking to go somewhere. He goes, where do you want to go? I said, uh, I said, crime scene. He goes, do they need a sergeant? I said, yeah, they do. He goes, let's go talk to the chief, right? And you know how the Christmas party is, you know? Bring yeah. him a couple beers and... Talk to him and he's like, hey, hey, he's like, Chief. Did you swap this his undercarriage? He goes, Chief, uh, this is John. This is known as boyfriend. And uh, he's like, hey, how you doing, John? Nice to meet you. He goes, John wants to go to crime scene. Chief says, they need a sergeant? He goes, yeah. All right. You want to go to crime scene? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my, my done, answer, right? the short answer is, how'd you get the crime scene? I had to sleep with somebody. Yeah. Right? But, you know, that's a great story. Then that's the way it works. Girl. Yeah. Do actually, they need a sergeant? Still, for supervisor, it probably works that way. But but for detectives, it's a lot different. Like when I got there, it was the apprentice system. So you know, you learned from Joe, who learned from Steve, who learned from Bob. So everybody kind of had a different technique of doing things. But know? they had, the, they also had the unit on patrol evidence collection. Evidence that, collection, uh, yeah, that came in. Path? Yeah, it came. 
that became like a stepping stone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, How so much stuff did you know before you got into crime scene? Because you're going there as a sergeant, and you mentioned the other way is like an apprentice, uh, apprenticeship. So yeah. that way you're learning. But if you go there as a sergeant and you don't really know anything about crime scene and you just got a hook, then you basically you're at the back. You know, you're it's up to the detectives to fill you in. Otherwise, you could be like, if they don't like you, you could just be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I was I was really like a hands-on kind of guy, and I sat everybody down. I said, listen, I'm not the kind of guy that's spying on you, checking on you. I said, you understand I have my job to do, but I'm showing up at all your jobs because I really I, I love this stuff and I want to learn it, you know? So, uh, you know, for, let that, me just that, interrupt you for one second. Yeah. A lot of police departments, you know, there's a lot of people listening across the country, they don't have a crime scene unit. The NYPD has a unit called Crime Scene that does all of the forensic evidence collection for homicides, shootings, serious assaults, rapes, things like that. And it's unique because they're trained just to do that work, to do the evidence collection. Some police departments, the detective that responds does everything, right? Yeah. He collects the evidence, he does the interviews. And I mean, just think that's overwhelming. If you had to collect the evidence, interview people, uh, canvas, the, it's just too much work. Sometimes they have outside um agencies or the neighboring town which is bigger the bigger city have their crime scene mm-hmm. come in because well, like, they don't have that many homicides the coroner they call usually, some little like, towns up in yeah there. a lot of times the sheriff's office in these oh, towns yeah. they have uh because it's a bigger agency they have a designated crime scene unit or the state agencies but the expertise like, involved i think is necessary to, it's it's probably better to have guys that are just designated to collect the evidence. Yeah, right? especially, you know, you think about New York City, right? Uh, crime scene guys were like firemen. Like the bell rings, you go out, you do your job, you come back, right? Because, I mean, here you're, you're, you're the guys in the squad doing all the ground pounding, knocking on doors, right. putting it all together while you're waiting for lab results from all the stuff that we collected and all that. But we'd go, you know, from job to job to job, and that's, that's pretty much the way it had to be, you know? There were a lot of, most of the cases... You never got any follow-up on it. You know, sometimes you were interested in it. You might call the you guy who caught the case yeah. and you say, hey, listen, whatever well, happened with that? Well, that's what Bill was mentioning about the, uh, well, he, he wants to talk about that, is the TV shows, you know, and how close they are to reality. I like the TV shows. I'm a buff that way. But when you said a lot of time working in crime scene, you don't really, most of the time, you don't know the outcome of the case. And when you watch those TV shows, it always seems like the crime scene guys are still involved with that case all the way to the end. Like right. they're giving a, yeah, we got them at the end. Right, right. You don't yeah. even know yeah, what's going on. They're making collars, they're interviewing you know, perps, they're getting yeah. into shootouts. You uh-huh. know, like, As you know, in, in hundreds. Something always explodes, right? Uh-huh. In, in hundreds like of homicides that, that I, I went to, Nothing my exploded. detectives investigated, you can't, you can maybe count on one or two hands, how many times forensic evidence is the smoking gun? You know, most of the time, it's a confession. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the work of the detective getting a confession or something like, or, or a witness. When you get that fingerprint that you're like, holy shit, we got him. We got his fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a case of uh, this girl, Catherine Woods, on the Upper East Side. Yeah, I remember that. I a worked that case. Fingerprint yeah. behind I, the I, bed. I'm the one who cut the wall out. No kidding. That. Yeah, yeah. That's With unbelievable, the, me and the right? Detective what happened? Yeah. What happened was uh, there was two suspects. The boyfriend she lived with, From which Ohio, all the detectives right. felt was she, she was, was she, not, What was that? Well, she was obviously murdered, she was but was murdered, it a yes, knife? He practically cut her head off. He, yeah, cut her throat. Yeah. The second guy who was a boyfriend she was breaking up with, the detectives felt he's the guy. For some reason, they let him go. Not on the detective's word. One of the big bosses said, nah, take a statement, let him go. He turned out to be the guy, right? But now he lawyers up. So now they can't talk to him anymore. 
And they kept the crime scene open for days, which was smart. And they didn't have the forensic evidence. They, they sent the Emmy's office forensic investigation team. And I, I guess the luminol is what made it show up. Uh, you what, tell the story. Yeah, you so, know it better than me. Yeah, but, so essentially... Uh, there was, he said that he was never in the apartment, yes, right? The, yeah. the yoga instructor, guru, yeah, yeah. Uh, songwriter guy, right? right? He's, he's teaching like, yoga at yeah. Attica right now. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's down, holding a yoga Downward right dog. Now. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Watch out. <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, so, so uh, he said he was never in the apartment, though, I think, right? right? Somebody yes, locked him so. into that statement, which was part. So, so, like you said, I mean, that's the real police work. You know, the, the forensic stuff is an important tool, but that, but that kind of stuff. But you know what was even more important is, as a trial? He took the stand, and he said, yes, I had consensual sex with her, and she was having a period. Right. And I wiped it on the wall. Right. And the thing was, and I didn't know this until I learned this, is that um, menstrual blood is different than regular blood. Yeah, they didn't do any so analysis that, ahead of time for that, though. Right, that was right. sort of like his little right, right. surprise. He didn't, he didn't read up in yeah. the physician's desk reference that that right. was different. Right, but the thing know? was, I'll tell you, that he, when he cut her throat, uh, you know what happened, too? When we were in there, the bed was up against the wall, right? And, and uh, On you know, twos, not small, on all fours? The, huh? The bed, yeah, it was like a, He picked it up? Like, and a put fo- it- like a fold. I don't know if EMS did it. We don't know who did it, really. Nobody admitted to doing it, you know? And I don't think he did, because once it came down, there were bloody footprints all over the, okay. uh, the bedding, right? So it might have been EMS or somebody. You know how it is. People don't really admit, you know, windows are open. What happened? What was that light on? Was the TV off? You know, like... So, uh, so we get there. But, but one of the things that really kills that story for him is her, her throat was cut. And when you breach an artery, it has a distinctive pattern. We call it like an arterial gush, right? Because arteries are the, right, the blood spatter. Yeah, yeah those are yeah, the vessels yeah, that are right, under pressure, right. right? So it's pushing out and creating this arterial blood stain pattern on the wall. And his handprint altered one of those blood drops from the arterial uh, pattern, right? So it's very big. It's think about like. Uh, Think about a garden hose, right? Like right. if you have it under pressure, you can make a fine mist out of it. If you have it open wide, it still will bead. You know, water's going to bead. It wants to be round. That's what that's the nature of the liquid and stuff. So, you know, blood's similar, just different viscosity. So you have these arterial patterns on the wall mm-hmm. and then an alteration in it, right? You had, so, me, at, you had me at fingerprint under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to hear something? That wasn't the smoking gun when the, the uh, DA, they took a vote. Initially, when they took a vote, I heard it was like 12 uh, something, six people didn't think he was guilty. No kidding. And then he, it, they kept working and they just, you know, it was convinced it was then 12 nothing. Wow. But I heard it wasn't like unanimous. So just think, if they didn't think that his bloody fingerprint behind the bed was the smoking gun that showed he did it. Right. What do you have to have to need video of the guy doing it? That's you know the thing, I mean? yeah. That's what it's yeah. coming down to. That's huh? what it's coming down to. I wonder if video. Uh, video evidence will become part of crime scene unit now because it's so essential. You look at the junior case, the kid in the Bronx who got killed by the rival gang, and that videotape is, there's no way to beat it. They had cameras everywhere, and most of the cases that you watch nowadays or you see on the news, they're accompanied by some sort of video. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if the collection of that at some point, since it's such valuable evidence, will maybe you'll get a videotape guy in the crime scene, and that'll be his job to go out there and collect it all. Even if it's the the foot guys doing, the detectives doing the knocking on the, collecting it, but making sure it all comes under 
Neath funnels into one guy. Taru does that. Yeah, Taru does that. They hold on to it though. Technical assistance. They usually they usually give it to uh, the detective, don't they? Yeah, they usually do. They turn it uh, over. But it's Major Case had guys too. Didn't Major Case have have a unit like for the uh, for the gypsy cab robberies and stuff like that? They would download the. Yeah, yeah. You had to you had to be careful with that stuff because one slip and you lost everything. When people ask about like like what's a good career? My kid's in college. He wants to be in forensics. I always say. You got to get into video stabilization because there's very few people that do it in the country that do it that are like certified and know how to do it well. I work with this guy in what Washington. What is that? So if you have uh, a camera, like, so we'll talk, uh, we'll get into this case a little later, but the Walter Scott shooting down in Charleston, a guy films it with a cell phone, right? And he's moving the cell phone around. He's walking. So the frames are all out of you know, out of whack. And there's ways to sort of like break that down frame by frame, you know, and sometimes overlay a frame to make it a little more powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I'm, this is not my thing at all. You know, mm-hmm. I've just heard him testify. Well, isn't that and something about, like you're messing with the evidence then if you're, if you're editing you're, a videotape? Yeah, you're, you're, but see, there, there's ways. That's, that's where it pays to be certified, right? So if we had some software and we kind of say, you know what, we could do this stuff, right? And we started messing around with it. Then we get on a witness stand. It's like, well, where'd you learn how to do that? Well, I learned it on, uh, you know, adobe.com, right? right? right. So, uh, but but the guy who does it, he's that's his thing. So it's really, it's an enhancement. It's, it's just like when you get a fingerprint uh, like a photograph of a fingerprint and somebody puts it into Photoshop and does an enhancement on it to bring out the, the characteristics, the ridge detail and all right, that kind right. of stuff. So you, you say, hey, what, you put it in Photoshop? Uh, I, I gave a lecture to a bunch of lawyers for continuing legal education, and I said something about using a Photoshop uh, enhancement for something. They're like, see, you use Photoshop because people think, you know, you can put your face on, yeah, on my sure, head sure. and do it, right? So what can you do? Photoshop's a, a hocus-pocus thing. But if it's used correctly, it's a forensic tool, and it, and sure. it works really well, right. you know. So, but so what I'm talking about with the video stabilization, think about it. Every cop's going to have a body cam, right? And you ever see body cam footage? It's, yeah, it's usually, pretty. It's you know, exactly it's what you said. Yeah, the guns in the way. It's exactly you know? what you said. Yeah. it's that t- choppy footage. Exactly. So, uh, before they get to the point where they have, if they ever do, you know, body cams that give you a very clear image. Right very clear uh, resolution video, you're going to have to do a lot of enhancement to make that all come out. Plus, and then there's a second portion of that, which is the audio enhancement, you know, which was a a big deal also with the Walter Scott case. Um, Well, you know, there was recently just a a cop was on top of this car booster in the Bronx. So that negated his body cam. Yeah. And the guy pulled a gun on him and he shot him twice but you couldn't see anything because he was laying on top of the guy Yeah. and the other cop I don't know what he was doing he was standing there when he should have been on top of the guy I don't want a Monday morning quarterback right. but the other cop had wound up shooting him twice but you could not see anything yeah that's when the, the, the audio sometimes yeah, can help audio, you know exactly and did then, you warn him did you say no, you know, yeah, drop the gun audio, did the you guy say, said you know. something I forget exactly his words something I have a gun I want to I want to kill you or something like oh, that I he did, said, yeah. yeah he said oh. something like that yeah. you now, mentioned something about working in crime scene that it was a similar to the fire department in a way waiting to get called so I wanted to for you to take us uh, almost step by step through you're in an office somewhere and there's a homicide. Are you only going homicides? Uh, well, the, the protocol is a lot bigger than that, but for the most part, yeah, it's uh, it's homicides. Except yeah. if it's a rape below 96th Street. Yeah, ra- then you, right. Then you're going. <laughs> yeah, rapes, yeah. homicides. You know, that's uh, the case that came the, into my head. Wondering if crime scene would yeah, probably get called. Go. They would call. They Not would probably all rapes, but you'll go. If you have to yeah, articulate should, yeah, yeah. during yeah. that phone call. You have to articulate to the crime scene. 
boss, I would imagine. Yeah. What you have there. And then it's your call whether you should go or not. Yeah. And a lot of times that turned into a big, you know, tug of war and butting heads and stuff because like that. Because sometimes you'll be the sergeant there. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine you're communicating with somebody of a higher rank. Yeah. And he's telling you, we need you over here. And you're like, well, we're in the middle of watching Bachelor right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Precinct COs would want you to go to burglaries where properties are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. We used to get that all the time. Yeah, all no, time. we're not coming yeah, to that. Yeah. You know, And you have to have the latitude yeah, Chief, to tell. Chief Jones's yeah. uh, kid, his car got broken right. into. Well, and some, uh, the six you know, Do you get the carte blanche from your boss? Yeah, if you're following the protocol... Or you know, does he want a phone call if somebody's busting your chops? Some, a lot of times it comes to that, you know, and it might have to go to the head of the division or whatever, depending uh-huh. on what it is, you know. Uh, I, one time there was a... Uh, getting ready to do a search warrant, and uh, so it was for a homicide suspect. So the lieutenant calls me up and he goes, yeah, we're doing the search warrant, so you can get, meet us at the precinct, we're going to do the TAC meeting, you know. I said, we don't, uh, we don't go to TAC meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, why, why would we, you know, so tactical, it's, you know... A tactical meeting sure. prior to the search warrant, so you get to know who everybody is. And he's like, "No, but we got to know who you guys are." I'm like, "We're the ones with the blue windbreakers that say police crime scene. Right? That, that's going to be us, you know." And he's like, "Ah, he got." He was getting pissed. He goes, "No, you got to be at the tack meeting." I said, "Listen, I said we're the peaceful police. We don't yeah. do. We, you know, my days are kicking doors in or over. You that's you know, I got to after a fact. Yeah, exactly. You know, you but, go in there, you secure the place. But, you know, but if you have the wrong boss, you might." Your guys might be going to all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in another Lovely. vein, the one day we had a double murder in a 2-8, and John Irwin, who's the ch- a chief DA, is on the scene. And I said, I need you guys to do this scene. They go, you need a search warrant. I said, no, I don't. The, the detective is telling me I need a search warrant. I said, the DA is on the scene right. telling us we don't need a search warrant. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand? You know, he's like, you need a... I was like, dude, I didn't want to argue with you. Yeah. Just get here. You know? Are yeah. yeah. oh, you talking about the detective from crime scene? Yeah, crime he's scene, telling yeah. me we need a search warrant. The uh, DA is on the right. scene with us telling us, no, you don't. You don't need one. You know, mm-hmm. Who's a better... Uh, the chief DA. I'll tell you, though, the DAs took a lot of, they took a lot of chances with some, with some of that stuff sometimes, though. We used to argue with them every once in a while. Well, sometimes but, we would just go above and beyond just to make sure 100% that the evidence, like, you were know, they pulling plain you for, view. If you have plain view, yeah. you don't, that's an exception to a search warrant. Sure. We had that on this case. It was all in plain view. We said, let's get a search warrant anyway. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we did. So. Yeah, definitely. It's good, to, you know, yeah. for the integrity. That's a cover your ass one. Yeah. 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 But were you getting pulled in the direction by the DA squad the same way that you were getting pulled by, let's say, chiefs? Like, DA wants you to be at, at a or just go to a crime scene that you normally wouldn't go go to because yeah. the DA is involved in that case? Not not the DAs, nah. But, but a lot of times within our own department, you know, if, if the CEO sends us on something, hey, listen, I got a call from this chief and, uh, you know, I know we don't normally do this, but uh, we're going to do that. What's the time frame between you guys getting a call and you guys, okay, we're going to go to that one? How, how long does it... Can we it, expect you? It depends on on what we're doing. That you could be you know, at another if, case. If, if there's a police involved shooting, it's you know like uh, when Russell Timoshenko got killed. Like for instance, the whole unit was there. We called called the whole unit there for that. Uh, what are the so, hours? What what, what what tours do you guys so do? It's sort of like a backwards squad chart, right? So we, the first tour is a seven to three. It's a four day week. First tour is a seven to three. Next tour is a seven to three. You come in at 1400 on the third one and work straight through till 0800 the next day. So that's actually an 18-hour tour. Wow. And, of course, you know when shit always happens, right? 3 o'clock in the morning when you've already been there 13 hours, <laughs> right, right, right? Yeah, so, yeah uh, that day. What happens then? 
you got it. You've been at the point where, like, it doesn't matter how much espresso they put in your uh, coffee. Yeah. You're just, you are dragging ass, and and uh, your body you goes gotta, into you a different zone. Somebody's, somebody's scenes are like, you know, twenty you know, John, hours. Just, more, I just you know? want to say, you mentioned the Russell Timoshenko case, and I happen to know that was an amazing case for the crime scene unit. Yes. And I'm just what I'm referring to is. Uh, for viewers that don't know, Russell Timoshenko was a young cop. He went, he was doing a car stop. The windows were heavily tinted. There was what, three or four guys in the car and he was basically executed. They were able to identify the shooter by the DNA on the trigger guard. Isn't that correct? No, from uh, some chicken that was in yeah, the... Yeah, uh, well, I yeah, thought yeah. the other person right. identified by that, but it was the, the tr they actually identified the shooter by his mm -hmm. DNA on the trigger. Uh, trigger yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, Which was, that's unbelievable work. Yeah. And right, the other purpose in the car were ID'd by their saliva on the chicken. Yeah. Can't make yeah. that shit yeah, up. Yeah, that was right? huge. That was a big deal. Wow. And then they, they fled work. to, like, uh, Pennsylvania. We were trying to go hide in the in the mountains up there, you know. Brought, like, tuna fish and a bunch of stuff. That, that, that would have been bare food in about, you know, two days. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we had helicopters. That's not a good idea. It's good, good police work. That though. was great. No, I, every everybody, you know, did a I, I'd go to another big city and hide in plain sight. Right. You know, Before I go up there out of my element, no way. Yeah. I'm definitely you dead up there. You um, remember Matt Steiner? No, really, yeah, of no course. Relation man, yeah. to our uh, engineer, yeah, Andrew Steiner. Uh -huh. He had this case where um, the psychiatrist was murdered on the Upper East Side, stabbed to death by a former patient of her, the co-doctor in her office. Yeah, I remember that And case. Matt Steiner lifted a palm print off the suitcase. Suitcase, yeah. That, which, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The uh, cases that you have nothing on, and all of a sudden you go, we got a, we got a hit on a yeah. palm print. We're like, oh my God, yeah. that was great. Because, well, you know. I think that was a blood print too, right? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. Uh, it oh, wasn't? No, it, it was just a yeah, regular. The scene was a, was a disaster, yeah, right? Was that, yeah. was that Manhattan? Did you? Yes, did it you, was Manhattan. I worked that you case. You worked that case, yeah. yeah. It was my team's yeah. case, yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy but, case. And they, you know, the big bosses got involved in that. They were sending tech detectives to Pennsylvania on someone who they thought was a suspect that none of the detectives did. Yeah, that guy was like a full-blown EDP, though. Yeah, he was, was the, an EDP, the, yeah. the subject, right? It's a mostly and, disturbed yeah. person for our viewers. Yeah, <laughs> for our non-emotionally disturbed <laughs> viewers. <laughs> so when you get to the scene now, you took you, depending on what you, were up, you guys were up to, you get to the scene, what happens? Would you, the case detective introduces himself to you, tells yeah. you what he's got? Who, who does I mean, that to you? Every single scene is different. Sometimes you get there and all there is is some, you know, some crime scene tape up and the guy with the highest tax number standing there and you say, what do you got? I don't know. These guys, they're over there somewhere. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know how it is. Uh, right? yeah. We just don't have the people to, to be there all the uh -huh. time. So how many guys I, go I could out? give you the ideal How many scenario. guys show up? How many crime scene A crime scene team is two. Two detectives, okay. you know, so uh, whether or not a boss goes depends. They started to change the protocols to if there was a body on the scene, a boss had to be. I think that was a protocol when I was there. But, you know, a lot of the bosses were uh, very well read, you know, sitting in the office, mm -hmm. very well read guys. and uh, or, uh, <laughs> TV know. lieutenants. Well, if you're watching forensic files, it counts as in-service training, <laughs> yeah, I think, exactly. or something like that, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like I like being on the scenes, you know. I like, I like going out to the scenes. So, uh, so a, a team was two detectives. Yeah, and when you worked that 18-hour uh, tour, you had three teams for the whole city for the whole night. Oh, which is crazy, yeah. Right? So, I mean, there three was some Three two-man nice, teams. Three, yeah, yeah. And one sergeant for um, the whole one six, sergeant, right? one sergeant, that was it, yeah. The sergeant so. is doing that 18-hour tour, too. Yeah, I think now they work steady tours, but uh, the whole thing was... You stayed with your squad. When I was here, you stayed with your squad. So you, you had the same guys all the time. Were you making crazy overtime there or what? Yeah, you know, it, 
it was feast or famine. Yeah. You know, we always had, uh, I think we had like a, like a black umbrella that was like for the black cloud. Cause there was always one sergeant that was always getting stuck with all the police involved shootings. Right. Mm-hmm. And those things were a nightmare because you know, the, the, that's when Kelly was the PC and you had to have a sketch, a drawing up to him for this, whatever time it happened, five, six o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock, he wants a briefing. He wants everybody there. He wants right. to know everything, right? So, no, we're no. We're, we're, I used to write the preliminary investigation. Yeah, the PIW. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes, like on a police shooting, it could be 20 something pages long. Sure. And I would start at, say, whatever time it is, and say it's seven, eight o'clock at night. I'd still be like hustling to get it done by 6 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, everyone would be sticking their DBs on you, you know? Yeah. No, I don't like that. Change this. Right. After all, I was like, Captain, fuck you. Get away from me. Right. You want to write this fucking Because you, know? right. you're so stressed. You're yeah. There. And, you know, you can't write this till you have that number. You can't do that till you get this number. You can't do that till you talk to this guy. You know, so right. it was, it's like doing a research report at work. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was a nightmare, you know, <laughs> just to have all this stuff ready in it. And, in regards uh, to when you get to the crime scene, though. There's going to be a catching detective. He's going to be the one who's in charge of... Is he going to show you what happened and this is what I want you... Can you see if there's a fingerprint here? We see. We, we yeah, thought so he came in over here. Or so do you guys help him out or you guys take control? In the best of all possible worlds, right? Uh, in, in, in the, the, the Pulaski uh, <laughs> you know, scenario, Universal right? Pulaski. Which actually, I, I, I liked him and, uh, and he liked me, you know... Uh, but he he had you know because you had the warmed alcohol and, prepared <laughs> 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 with, with a little chardonnay on the side, right? So, uh, but but the, I mean the best possible scenario is you show up at the scene, like I said, you have the catching detective there, somebody who's very well informed, you know, and and gives you an idea of what happened, and and especially because by the time we get all our stuff together, get out the door, I mean we're we're pretty much ready to go, but it takes a while. We need a, a notification from a detective bureau member, right? right. Det- actually, it was the detective bureau yeah, supervisor, yeah. yeah. So uh, by the time we get our our act rolling out the door, wherever we are, because you guys are usually at least in the borough. Sometimes we'd have to get through traffic and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, the best possible scenario is you get there and you get informed what the guys have. You might be getting, uh, to look at some video even. You just, you know, you never know well, how the, far the, along the it could be. The catching detective you know? on a homicide should be there when crime scene gets there. To yeah. tell you what he thinks happened or, or what to look for evidence-wise. Right. And if they're not there, they gotta, should get their asses there because... They're going to have to testify to that in court someday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. if they're not there to meet you guys to tell you, this is what I want you to do, this is what I think happened, right? I mean, yeah. what are you guys supposed to be soothsayers to, you know, just read the crime scene by feeling around? You well, know? sometimes that's... Sometimes you can do that. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? Uh, honestly, like forensically speaking, the, the least amount of context that you get, the better. You know, so if you come up to me and say, "Listen, John Pellucci did. We're going to nail that motherfucker." I know he's he did three more of these, and yeah. the other, you know, and then we're all we're looking at is stuff to incriminate John Pellucci. So you know, get the pizza, leave the kibasa alone over there, right? You know, so no, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, so sure. you, you have uh, some preconceived notions in your head. It actually, it, it, it's like working a scene with blinders on. You know, so a lot of times you don't want to know nothing. Be, the, the least amount, the better. You know, you want you want an idea how big it is, like where where did this thing happen? Uh, was have been an inspector. He was, he was there at the Upper East Side that case that time. I can't think of his name. You know who I'm talking Which about? Which one? Uh, 
what, what year was this back? It's, I don't know, 2005, six. I don't know. Five, six. We had Billy Aubrey. No, was it wasn't him. Uh, McCarthy. Uh, that doesn't matter. Oh, okay. But he was in that crime scene, and he described exactly where the attack took place by reading the evidence. I was pretty damn impressed with that. No kidding. Wow. Especially on this blood spatter, this is where it first started. Look at the cast-off stem, like, wow, this guy knows his That's shit. That's nice. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could you do that? You could do that too, right? I was like, wow. Sometimes, I mean, what you do is you look for, you got to be very careful not to say exactly what happened, you know. I mean, you, this is what you, I you think could say, like, so, like you said, cast off. Cast you off see stains. cast off. You say, okay, I'm seeing blood stains that are consistent with blood being cast off of an object in motion. So there was a bloody object in motion here, right? So can I say this is where he whacked the guy over the head? Right. Maybe not. Maybe he's running away from the scene and you know goes to throw it, and that's where the cast sure. off. You, you got it. So you got to be real careful. To not again, absolutes rope you yourself speak, in. Yeah, exactly. In you know, so right. you can say like uh, once you have everything together, you can say you know what this this mechanism is is what caused that uh, bloodstain pattern to result, right? This cast off mechanism. Now, out of all the things that happened, I think it's most consistent with the the person being beaten here, right? So if you have cast off here, and then you also have impact spatter, right? So where the, where the, where it hits the bloody head. And then you get spatter on the wall. So you have those two things together. Okay, now we're putting together two pieces, two different bloodstained patterns. We you have see, John says it right, but people think he said it incorrectly, spatter. And that's what it's called in the crime scene, spatter, not splatter. That's right. So all you TV people that think you're crime scene experts and say splatter, you're wrong. So say spatter and you can talk I say talk I have a joke where I talk about blood spatter. And I make sure I always say spatter. spatter. <laughs> and I make sure I say it for all the people out there who still, well, who are in the know. Right. You know, who recognize the word for whatever reason. If you're a me- in, in, in um, you know, the medis- uh, medical world or a forensics or a cop, if you just know that word spatter. It's like the I secret say it handshake. Correctly. It's the secret handshake of the bloodstained <laughs> so, pattern analyst. Because now that the viewers know that, right, they're going to watch some chief get on TV talking about a crime scene and be like, yeah, there was splatter over here and yeah, splatter yeah, yeah, over there. They're yeah, going to yeah. be like, yeah, he doesn't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. he doesn't know. In, right? in the BPA. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it does? It kills that, uh, that, that question, is this guy full of shit or not? Right. You know, right. They, they hear a word like that. They're like, okay, this guy might be for real. He might yeah, know what he's talking he's about. Got, yeah, he's got some knowledge. I like mentioning that word in the joke. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you get to this crime scene. Now, you, see, you mentioned the crime scene where you got the one guy who's standing in front of there and you asked him what happened. He's like, I don't know. Some... No idea, <laughs> so those yeah. are the small ones. Nobody's really paying attention to those. But then I would imagine there's obviously crime scene that are like, what's like the biggest one you ever went to? Where, blocks how far? Blocks, like really? Run, running gun battles. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you have to break those into sections. We had you know, one of those uh, up in Washington Heights. Yeah. Uh, shooting in an apartment, homicide. Runs that runs out onto the street. The whole neighborhood's chasing a guy. He turns, shoots a guy. <laughs> Keeps running, goes toward, goes west. Carjacks a car and shoots him. Wow! What a nightmare of a crime scene. And then when we get involved, then it's pop, 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 So when you guys show up, you have to start from what you think is point A, where it's where initiated, and then you got to go through all the steps, right? Yeah. Every every scene is different, you know. I mean, some scenes, there's a clear, like, access and an egress. Like, they probably came in this way and left that way. And those are, those are points where you can find good evidence as well. So uh, sometimes you want to start, like, the way, like, just, just like you said, the way it looks like things logically progressed, you know. Sometimes uh, there's, there's barriers within the scene 
um, outdoor scenes can have stuff like a hill, you know, like maybe the body's all the way at the bottom of the hill, you know, like he's like, he's the last guy you're going to want to, uh, last part of the scene you're going to want to deal with, you know? And uh, so it's, uh, every single scene, you just got to go with the mindset. Like every single scene is different. Um, you want to get information where you can, as far as the size of the crime scene is that's one thing that we always, uh, kind of do wrong is establishing the boundaries. That's where it really starts, establishing the boundaries of the crime scene. And we typically make it too small, sure. right? And how many times you had, we, we had one uh, in Brooklyn one time where this guy went on a stabbing spree and, and uh, so they set up like a whole block, blocked off this whole block. And of course the news vans come and they put their stanchions out and their antennas that go way up in the air and all that stuff. And then we find out that he actually had gone into another store and opened some cabinets and left bloody prints in there. So now we got, you know, listen, we got to, you guys got to move all this shit, but it's already been contaminated too, though, because the people are there. So we always say, uh, make the, estimate the size of the scene and then double it. Wow. You know, cause you mm-hmm. can always make it small. Right, it's right, real yeah. easy to make it smaller. You just say, all right, you know, we don't need that area. But when you got to make it bigger. I remember you, know, you talking like, about that in the homicide course. Yeah. Especially when it's a major thoroughfare that you have to close. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. That, you know? Yep, yep. Did you go in with a strong stomach? Because I'm sure you saw stuff that even would uh, freak the average cop out. I think that was one of the best parts of the unit. I, I, I teach for Henry Lee sometimes up in New Haven. and I'm What just, is that? Uh, Henry Lee's a forensic scientist. He was like the guy on the OJ case. Yeah, and he, yeah he's been around for he's a long a time. You said you teach for him? Yeah, I was teaching a shooting institute. He has a class? He, he has, has a school? A, he has uh, University an institute, Haven, right? University of New Haven, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he has. he's in a part of a, um, the new um, University of New Haven. Yeah, he's got. it's like a space-age building. It's really, really awesome. So Do you he, have private investigators that go to that course? Uh, well, yeah, who, actually, who's I going have, to that course? Cops. Okay. Yeah. So I actually, for the first time, like I, I go all over the country doing cases and doing conferences and doing lectures. I never see NYPD guys anywhere. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's sad to say, but. You know, I mean, it's a very intense it's a job. Deal to go for training, you know. Yeah, it's expensive to yeah, go for training right, and all exactly. that stuff. Yeah, so even you know, active, even active or retired. Um, but this time, I had four crime scene guys, right? So they're, they're like, and uh, they weren't crime scene guys when I was in crime scene, but they were ECT guys when I was training a lot of people. And they're like, we remember you, Sarge. And they were calling me Sarge. It felt kind of good, you know. And, and uh-huh. I was like, I'm John. And they're like, no, nah, yeah. we're going to call you Sarge. Good people, you know. My wife so, still calls so, me Sarge. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Right? <laughs> I make a salute me when she comes home. <laughs> when she steps in the door, I say, turn up. I, I guess she doesn't watch this, right? <laughs> Her family so, does, though. Oh, yeah. Pissed. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so we went out to dinner, right? Yeah. And we're talking about bloody this and that, you know, like, and, and all leading. And I said, you know, that's what I miss is, is uh, like you said, the strong stomach. We could sit there at, at the dinner table, like when we had the luxury of all being able to eat together, or order some food, and and just tell some of the nastiest stories, uh-huh. and nobody would ever. Oh my God, what are you yeah. talking about? It's, it's like not somebody seeing it. It's having to be there for hours and hours in that scene. Yeah. When it's 95 degrees, and yeah. that's the horror. I'll tell you what, though. What, what, what I realized was when you're there, you have a mission. You know what I mean? So if you got to go through a bunch of coagulated blood to look for a, you know, a bullet jacket or something small right. like that, you're going to do it. Uh, so many times, like as, uh, being the supervisor, I'd be out on the scene working it with the guys. I was always you know, glad to get my hands dirty with them and stuff. And I'd come back to the office and, you know, a week or so later when they wrote up the case, I'd be sitting in there with my coffee, air conditioning, feet yeah, up. Nice. And I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, 
this is fucking nasty. But I was there, you know, but now it's like, that's when it bothers me because I, I don't have that, that purpose. You know, when you're on the scene, you have that, that sort of, what, you what got a you mission, you know. During, you weren't in crime scene during 9-11. No, no, I was, uh, I was at the CIC course. I, I ended up, uh, yeah, I was, I was there. Uh, well, so, then, yeah, you were, you were getting trained. You know, I actually I was, was yeah. at that too, but not when 9-11 happened, but I was in the CIC career. That wasn't like, uh, if you ever... You taught it too, right? In, yeah, later on in my yeah. career, I taught at CIC. Yeah, I, yeah I, start, I started, that's where I started the day. It was a Tuesday, I remember, because my old partner was in there from narcotics, right? And he, yeah. this guy, was he was a character. He's, you know, a little... PTSD kind of situation. So many women are fans of this um, crime scene stuff, the CSI stuff. That if you didn't have a girlfriend and you went to a bar, all you'd have to do is I'd I'd be your wingman. I would just ask you an open-ended question, like, "Tell us about the scariest crime scene. Tell me about it." And then you could just talk really loud, and before you know, we have a nice little party there. (laughs) You can pick out whoever you want. I've had students come up to me and say. I want to be CSI. Everybody does. I said, yeah. well, you have to become a cop first. They don't want to do and that. I, oh, I don't want to do that. I just want to go right into CSI. I said, well, you know, there's no CSI Institute, like on the back of the matchbook that you take. Yeah. Course, do, um, you know? I, I asked you that about the private investigators, because are there people who really are into crime scene stuff and uh, evidence collection, and then they do it privately and they can bring it to their PI business? Is that something that's done? Yeah, it is something. Are people hired by these small towns? Or let's say you wanted to hire your own crime scene guy to go to a scene because you're the defendant. Right, that's that's what I do now, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I'm doing. I'm still wow. doing scenes. Wow, now yeah. you're making the now. Yeah. You got to hang, yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah. Take me on vacation, <laughs> man. How much is it an hour? I charge two twenty-five an hour. Well, I like that. Yeah. That's like yeah. lawyer fees. That's good. Uh, yeah. Thank like God, like someone yeah. in the police business is charging lawyerly fees. These fucking lawyers. Yeah, right? I'm telling you. That's who. I, that's who hires me all the time. You know. Oh, good. Charge them yeah. three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a sought so, after thing. Not, it's you so, know, you it's know how so many people specific. are out there doing it? Really? Very few people. That's, oh, I thought Very you were going to say people. a lot. I mean, no, no. It's, uh, hey, I don't know anybody else who does it. <laughs> we can do it with them. I'd love to learn how to do something to make some money. <laughs> get out of this rut. You get some more crime scene jokes. You can I don't have a strong you. stomach, though. <laughs> <laughs> if I was the sergeant in that unit, I'd be showing up and have the mask on. I'd be like, I'd put it down for a second. Okay, you guys, it looks good, guys. I'll be <laughs> heading back to the office. So. Yeah. Let me know if you need a scratch. <laughs> yeah, after a while, you'll go out there eating like canned octopus oh, or something. You don't care, right? Yeah, it's weird because you get used to it, but you're at a higher level. Like, I always thought it was interesting, and you go into a detective squad, and everybody has the—we used to use Polaroids. Remember that? And everybody had these Polaroids, and a lot of times it wasn't for shock effect that it was on on your desk. It was just—it didn't make it into the case folder. But you can walk by anybody's desk and then just pick up a stack of photos, and it would be the— the scariest, most grotesque thing you ever saw. Some guys used to make a thing out of it. They, you know, uh, put a thumbtack in it, you know, and have a put whole... Put in there, a little like cubie a whole, thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a whole wall of Best it. Best of... Uh, but I remember sitting at somebody's desk and just... They went on a DOA, taking, looking at through their pictures. Ooh. But you, this was a constant thing every single day with you. That's the only thing that you saw. Yeah, there's been, there's been studies about that having like a PTSD kind of effect, you know, and it, it's really true. Like a lot of people... Uh, well, we think that every kind has PTSD. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Pretty much. Every single Bill and I were talking, and I was telling him that I think they sh- every officer should be assigned um, therapist when they get on the job. Hmm. 
almost the same way that you're assigned a district surgeon and you have to go twice a year to this therapist. So there's no stigma attached to it because everybody has to do it. And then if you want to continue going for whatever reason or the therapist feels like, you know, maybe you need to, some more sessions, um, then, you, then you can go. And it's completely anonymous you know nobody has to know your business everybody's going so it's not a big deal yeah, anymore if the department's really serious about suicide prevention they should spend the money they yeah. really should because yeah. you talked about the PTSD all these things that you see they're little little PTSD things they're shocking things that yeah. you shouldn't see the average person right. and they affect you in a way Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes they're the only thing that keep you from yeah. <laughs> from coming. Like when you were a girl, you're like, oh. I, I didn't bring a gun thing. in case you guys are worried. Now. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. so, but you know, like yeah. those times where you got to think about something really bad, so this way you perform better? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. How did we get, did we get there? Go there, man? How did we get there? I had a DOA once, man. That poor guy died in his living room. And you know how the gas collects? The oh. gas collected in his balls. They were like two beach balls. <laughs> Those were Polaroids that were very popular. Oh in my, my in my people used to want to see the guy with the big balls. Yep. <laughs> that was something I thought about a lot. You like, know, I always yeah. used to photograph the crime scene because when you got back to the office and you put it on the screen, you could see things that you didn't see there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yep. they oh, there's a knife in the corner. We <laughs> didn't see that. Hey, you did you guys use that um, the camera, the 360 camera? Yeah. Well, uh, that, that was, about that was that. after my time. Really. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So there, there was... Uh, yeah, there's, they use a scanner now. Like a, it's called a laser scanner, and um, it's a very powerful tool, right? So, like, we could set one up in this room, right, uh, and, and it'll scan the whole room, and you could look at it. It looks like a photograph, you know, and you could, you could go anywhere and zoom in on something. And because it's a laser beam, right, the, laser, the, the machine actually knows that I've, I fired a beam out to that wall, and it was three feet, six inches, because the total length was... was uh, seven feet because it went to the wall and came back. So half the length wow, of the beam is the measurement. Cool. And then you can take measurements between points. But, you know, it, and, and it, takes, it takes a little getting used to because if I set it up here in the middle of the room, we're going to see a bunch of stuff. But then think about the, the chairs are going to be shadowing some evidence. You're not going to be able to see behind the bar, right? You have so to, you move have it to around? keep moving it around. Yeah, mm. and then you have to sort of stitch all these scans together does that you know, aid you in uh, doing the sketch the final sketch yeah you can actually you can uh download you can create like a sketch off of that if wow. you want yeah and it helps okay. you break down that crime scene a lot quicker right yeah uh yeah it's it's got its advantages it clearly does you know and you don't and, lose stuff yeah because obviously crime scenes change prior right. to having that type of technology that's usually like one you of could the come there one day and go through your work and then go back to the crime scene the next day and there'll be something different yeah Right? Yeah, definitely. It happened a lot, right? Yeah. yeah that's that's why happens. that thing. I remember we were teaching a class on that, on, and we used to have it. It, was, it wasn't a robot. It was a thing that they used to use. It was set on a tripod, and they started using it for car accidents. In the homicide investigators course? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, Total Station, right? They call it Total yeah, Station. Yeah, and it took, the camera just went around, and it took a 360-degree uh, picture for you. But now you're saying they do that with a laser, which is even more effective. Yeah. yeah actually, the camera... The, preceded the laser at least in our unit there was uh, yeah but the camera also was able to take a picture we used that for uh, remember the wall street uh the the woman who disappeared on wall street from washington heights well do you remember her name no she was a dominican woman i think Not, i think it was a victor martinez's sister or her last name was martinez was she in a duck 
Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was uh, the the professional bodybuilder Victor Martinez. That was, I think, I'm pretty positive that was his sister. Yeah, from, she they worked lived up there. in the Heights. And they lived in the Heights, but she was murdered downtown. I think she worked in a hotel or something, right? She worked at some building down like in the Wall Street area. Yeah, and, and she was in a duct. Somebody, uh, yeah, somebody took her up to the roof and put her in a duct. Yeah, yeah, it's a construction thing. Yeah, they missed the body the first time. They they yeah, just, that was horrible. Make a collar on it or what? Yeah, he made a collar on it. Yeah, the guy had all scratches on him and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, I remember they used that camera on there, and I was, like, you know, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, you can pan zoom all over the place with right. that thing. It's, it's pretty amazing what they can. Uh, just being able to look at it over and over again, just the way they do on TV. Yeah. When, whenever New York, the NYPD gets stuff that you see on TV, it's already when that stuff on TV is usually useless. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> By the time we got stuff, that's why they're the yeah. best detectives. It's not because they know anything more than the other. It's what they have to work with. It's so hard yeah, to it's see true. these it's other true, departments. Yeah, yeah. And they have all this stuff. Like, well, that's why the FBI has all these toys that when they get a case, they have nothing but money. Yeah. Yeah, ERT I mean, you know, was it. I would have loved to have been on the um, Boston Marathon bombing because I would love to. I bet you, and I don't know for a fact, but the Boston cops did most of the work on that. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, know, I, don't, yeah. I know that they had the um, facial recognition technology, which was able to identify uh, one of those, those Zarnayev brothers from social media, and that's mm -hmm. what got the ball rolling. Wow, that's really yeah, interesting. seen the fights between Boston. We got to talk about that. Yeah. And we got to talk about um, 23 and Me. We got to talk about, uh, you know, the DNA, where you send your DNA. Mm -hmm. I want to know your opinion on that. We want to talk about facial recognition as far as evidence is coming up. And we're going to do all that and more on part two of Police Off the Cuff with uh, Sergeant John Pellucci. Uh,